Welcome to the O'Reilly Data Show. I'm your host, Ben Lorica. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to remind our listeners that we do have two event series that they can go and attend and learn more about the topics covered in this podcast. The first one is called the Strata Data Conference, which you can find at strataconf.com. The second one is the Artificial Intelligence Conference, which you can find at the AIConf.com. In this episode of The Data Show, I sat down with Hao Yuan Li, CEO and founder of Aluxia, a startup commercializing the open source project with the same name. And full disclosure, I am an advisor to Aluxio, the company. Now, in this podcast, we focus on the state of Aluxio, the open source project, which has roots in UC Berkeley's AmpLab, specifically emerging use cases here and in China. Uh, Aluxio, the open source project, has many large-scale users in China. So I also wanted to get HY's take on the state of data and AI technologies in Beijing and other parts of China. And by the way, the call for speakers for our 2019 Artificial Intelligence Conference in Beijing closes midnight China time on January 8th. So this is your chance to uh, share your AI stories with the audience and the AI community in Beijing, one of the most vibrant AI scenes in the world. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hao Yuan Li, CEO and founder of Aluxio. Welcome to the Data Show. Thank you, Ben. Uh, glad to be here and uh, happy to chat with you. Um, so I first met you, actually, as I recall it, uh, was at a Spark meetup at Yelp years ago when Spark streaming was first introduced. And you were one of the grad students at that time who got Spark streaming off the ground. Am I misremembering? Uh, that's exactly right. I think that was uh, almost uh, maybe more than seven years ago, almost seven years ago. And uh, what was your, so I actually, I went to your LinkedIn profile. I did not realize that you also worked at Conviva, which obviously is where Eon Stoika of AmpLab and RiceLab, uh, that was one of the companies he founded. So then uh, how much of Spark streaming were you involved with? Just literally the beginning? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's uh, co-created by TD, uh, Matei and me, while I was doing my PhD at Berkeley, Unplugged. Yeah, my remembrance from that meetup actually was, uh, it wasn't the biggest meetup, but uh, it was pretty medium-sized. But uh, the reaction of the audience was uh, really, uh, they were really super excited. What? I can use the same thing for batch and streaming? Yeah, macro batch, macro batch for streaming. That was a uh, key concept uh, for Spark streaming back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's my experience, actually. And, uh, you know, like, uh, it's uh, it's open source, it's from university, and open to everyone, want people to try it out. And then I believe it was less than a year later, maybe six months later, at another Spark meetup, this time who hosted by Google Ventures, when you and Ali Godzi, now the CEO of, uh, of uh, Databricks, first introduced Tachyon, which is now named Aluxion. What was the motivation behind Tachyon? Like, did the people approach you and asked for uh, this particular layer in the stack, or so? How did how did Aluxio come about? Ben, you have a great memory, and uh, that's exactly right. That's uh, that's. I think that uh, Google meetup, the meetup at Google, was a first-time public presentation regarding uh, Aluxio uh, about Tachyon back then. The name called Tachyon. 
So uh, it's a combination uh, of various things came together and uh, and how we created how we created Aluxio back then called TechYoung, open source project. So w- one thing is that in the lab, like uh, we had uh, in the AmpLab at UC Berkeley, we have lots of great stuff. Innovation is fun place to be at that time. Uh, we had you know we had Spark, uh, Spark streaming, Spark uh, innovation disrupting the distributed computation layer. And we also had Apache Mesos trying to disrupt the resource management layer for the cluster computing. And uh, at that time, it was quite clear that uh, we didn't have, we're missing the innovation for the storage layer or data layer. That was the beginning, the high level thought. Along with that high level thought, and uh, where, do we, where did we start, right? So one thing, it was uh, like one need from the industry was that, look, Spark was fast. It, it, it is fast. But uh, it was missing the fast data sharing across different Spark applications. That was a very uh, clear uh, and a very immediate need at that time. So because of that, we need something to solve that issue. And that's the, that was the first problem. And uh, in addition to that, uh, I had a personal uh, interest, uh, very strong personal interest for the storage and data. Uh, and uh, the, my professors, my advisors, Jan Stoika and Scott Shanker, in the lab, they also gave me this great opportunity uh, to let me lead and create this uh, new system. And uh, that's how it started. So at the very beginning, you know, like we work on a vision and we gr- gradually improve the vision and uh, realize the vision. But at the very beginning, the first problem we're solving was that how to share the data efficiently across different Spark applications. And then uh, the rest followed. That's the start of the project. So fast forward to today, if we look mm-hmm. at the open source project Aluxio, how would you describe it and what problems and use cases is it mainly used for? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. Thank you. So to describe it or to understand what problem it is solving today or at what it will solve moving forward. So probably it is better to, uh, to talk about the vision of the project first. So in the end of the day, we believe the future about the data. And we're getting into this data era and uh, we're having this data revolution. And we believe that this data revolution, the impact it brings to the society could be no less than the impact internet or the mobile has brought into the society. That's a big background. So in this background, we look at what's the important technology in this big background. So because of this data revolution, Many companies, many organizations, they are just producing and collecting and processing much more data than before. It's growing, the data size is growing exponentially. But if you look at what's valuable in it, the fundamental value resides in the data. So if that's the case, what technology, I mean, technologies, they are enablers and facilitators, but what technology could be very critical in this world? So we thought about it. And uh, we, we started uh, analyzing from the data's life cycle. And uh, if we look at it, the whole life cycle, the majority of the time, the data resides in the storage system. So then we thought maybe the critical piece, the strategic component is the storage system. So that's, that's the beginning thought. And then we, we analyzed the whole storage industry landscape as well as the history. So then we figured out an interesting uh, fact, which is over the past 40 years, the whole storage industry they have been repeating the same story, which is every three to eight years, there's another wave of the storage innovation 
which created like another wave of storage systems, which is faster, cheaper, and easier to use than previous storage systems. So then you can see every three to eight years is another wave in, uh, innovation, another disruption, another disruption. So then from the user perspective, they ended up with a very messy like data storage environment. So in this big enterprise, they have many deployments of the different storage or the same storage, many deployments siloed in their environment. Therefore, it's very complex, very hard to manage the data, as well as very hard to extract value from the, the data. And it's very expensive as well. So that's the state of the art. So with that in mind, we thought about what can we do differently? Clearly, we cannot create another storage system to solve this issue. So then instead, uh, we take a big step forward. And uh, instead of creating another storage, we create a new layer and system uh, as a new layer between all the data-driven applications and all the storage systems, all the persistent stores, like uh, object stores, uh, like file systems, cloud, on-prem, hybrid, etc. So this new layer, which we call a virtual distributed file system, sits in the middle between this compute and storage layer. And this new layer virtualizes the data from different storage systems and presents a unified API with a global namespace for the data-driven data applications to interact with all of the data in the enterprise environment. So, and, so this is, uh, we're talking memory speed. Mm -hmm. So it's in memory. So what about uh, persistence? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, uh, so we're in the middle, right? And uh, we manage all the uh, storage media from the compute cluster. And then we depend and uh, depend on or rely on the persistent storage layer to handle the persistency. We manage the data movement. For example, like uh, no matter you have a TensorFlow application, Spark application, Presto application, Cafe, etc. These applications, they interact with uh, our system, uh, Aluxio, and Aluxio will handle the data persistency by pushing the data uh, down to the our under storage layer, which could be cloud storage like S3, like uh, Azure storage, or on-premise like HDFS or ECS from e uh, EMC ECS or Esalon um, or GPFS from IBM, etc. So that's the way we handle this. We rely on a storage system to do to do that layer. At this point, uh, Aluxio is maybe five years old. Is that right? Yeah. The the project. So, uh, yeah. how many contributors? are there to the project now? So uh, we have, uh, I actually checked the GitHub several weeks ago. So we have more than 900 contributors worldwide today. Wow, wow. Yeah. And so uh, not just in the US then? Uh, worldwide, yes, World, not just in the US. Right. So actually our user base is, uh, is pretty global as well. So let's talk about the scale of the open source project Aluxio. So, uh, mm -hmm. Is it only for small data? So what are some of the large deployments, both here in the US and in China? Yeah, so that's actually very exciting. So uh, we have seen many, many use cases by these very big uh, users. So we have seen many uh, single Aluxio deployment with more than a thousand nodes in some of the large internet companies globally. And uh, actually every week now internally in the, in the company, we form the team called the Open Source community team and this team every week they probably will find out a new company which has been using Aluxio for more than a thousand nodes and uh, some of the public ones i think uh, several 
like two, three weeks ago, there was a meetup in Beijing and uh, the company like Sogo, the second largest search engine there, they, they talk, publicly talked about their uh, Aluxio deployment. A single deployment was a, it is more than a thousand nodes. So, so these large scale deployments, I imagine, uh, because it's China, they, they adopt technology uh, much faster, open source technology these days much faster than the US. Uh, so they must also uh, not just use the open source project, they contribute back to it too, right? Exactly. That's also one of the reasons uh, like we created this open source user community to be focusing on communicating and uh, with the users and taking feedback from the users and uh, taking care of their engagement with the community. Like there are so many contributions from the community every single day. So as, as you said, we are still in the midst of a data revolution. Yes. And, and to the extent that uh, people are excited about data these days, a lot of that excitement you can trace back to uh, developments in machine learning and AI. So how is Aluxio being used for machine learning and AI applications? Uh, thank you for asking this. This is actually, uh, so Aluxio, we started from data analytics, world, data analytics world. And at the beginning point, it's a lot of Spark. Spark SQL, right? Uh, just in general, Spark, Spark SQL, Spark, like general applications, Spark streaming, etc. And uh, MapReduce, Presto, uh, all these different type of analytical applications. And along the way, we have seen and observed many more companies started to use Aluxio to serve data for machine learning and AI applications. And uh, as of today, uh, roughly speaking, I would say probably around 75% of the workloads running on top of us, they are machine learning and AI workloads, which is very exciting. They do model training, they do risk management, they do model training for trading, they do advertisement uh, recommendation, like all kinds of different applications. Super exciting. So uh, as best as you can tell, HY, a lot of the uh, popular mm -hmm. open source machine learning libraries are yeah. being used uh, in conjunction with Aluxio, right? Yes. Several weeks ago, there was a meetup in Shanghai, and there's a company called uh, uh, Qinyu. They are a uh, public cloud company there uh, in China, and uh, they have like, a hundred people AI team internally, and uh, they run their machine learning workloads on top of Aluxio, on top of their object storage. And uh, there are so many different uh, uh, frameworks that are running on top of us. And uh, very exciting to see that. And uh, actually, last week, I just came back from New York and uh, we have many users in that region uh, using machine learning on top of us as well. And uh, many of these use cases directly bring like uh, a business value or or more revenue to those companies, which is very exciting. So you mentioned earlier when you were describing Aluxio that uh, one of the things it solves is you have many, many different, you're, you might be working in an enterprise with many different storage systems and Aluxio sits in, in the middle between this these uh, many different storage systems and your many different analytic libraries. But you you also just mentioned that in China, there's this company that uh, has a Luxio between uh, the object store and and the machine learning tool. So, so one question is: uh, Aren't the object stores fast these days, like S3 and Ceph? So why do I need why do I need a layer in between? 
So there are two perspectives, uh, two angles to answer this question. One angle is that uh, one key reason people use object store, it is cheap. And uh, per gigabyte or per terabyte is cheaper than other solutions in the market. And uh, many people use object store actually as archival storage and performance is not as good as what people wanted. And from that perspective, by putting Alexia on top of that, that's directly uh, improved performance from our caching functionality. And on top of that, in many cases, machine learning library, they cannot directly talk with object stores. And we, Alexia, also serve as a translation layer from that angle. That's the one perspective. And the other perspective <clears throat> is by looking at the bigger picture. By looking at the bigger picture, all the companies, all the organizations, in the end of the day, they want to build their data infrastructure, data platform to serve their existing data-driven applications like analytics, machine learning, AI, etc. But moving forward, there will be more data-driven applications being created by the pioneers and the innovators in our industry. When that happens, like you need to have this great data platform to serve existing workloads and new workloads, potentially with existing storage and the new storage. And in that world, this new architecture, which we call Data Ecosystem 2.0, with Aluxio, this virtual distributed file system layer in the middle, just makes a lot of sense from architecture perspective. And by actually based on our conversation with some of the top architects in the industry, like people believe this is a beautiful architecture, very elegant, and also future proven as well. And uh, this is a bigger picture side. To make sure this enterprise, your company is successful, you need to be able to build this architecture or this platform for today and more importantly, for the future. So that's the two angles uh, why people use our software with object stores today. Let's uh, talk a little more about machine learning because that's uh, of interest to many listeners of this podcast. So you mentioned having a lot of users in China and having a lot of users in the East Coast. So when you say that, I, I imagine in the East Coast, that would be finance. And in China, it could be basically large Internet companies, both groups of which uh, uh, use a lot of machine learning. So are there some public examples that you can talk about in terms of machine learning use cases where... Uh, a company had an existing machine learning application, and then uh, they added open source Alexio, and then uh, they they saw some improvement. Great. Uh, so actually, uh, beyond financial service and internet companies, there are many uh, telecommunication and e-commerce companies that are using us uh, using this software as well in production today. Just uh, some examples, like one example from the uh, user angle. There is a uh, a finance company, and this finance company has a uh, model training and uh, they have the model training in the cloud and they have their uh, storage uh, on-premise. So there is a natural limitation between the cloud and storage and they use Aluxio, they deploy Aluxio in the cloud, co-located with a compute, uh, which is a model training application they do. And they use that to manage the data they have on-premise, manage the data movement to provide data locality for their training applications. And they have seen 10 times performance improvement, and uh, which translated to be several times work efficiency improvement besides the cost saving, uh, millions of dollars per year. And that's one example. And the other example is that that's an e-commerce company, very big e-commerce company. So 
every year they have several big events, uh, several days. Uh, they have a lot of sales. Uh, it's holidays, and uh, because of those uh, days, like traffic goes up, and existing architecture and infrastructure cannot handle that workload, and they do uh, model training to do product recommendation and placement on the websites as well. And before using Alexio during those holidays, so sometimes the system will crash and they had to use the old model. And with Alexio, the system became much more stable and uh, they can update the model every three minutes, which brought them much more revenue during these holidays by having a better recommendation to the, their customers. That's an e-commerce example. And another example I'd like to give is a like uh, actually earlier this year at uh, NVIDIA annual conference GTC, there is a joint presentation between Alexio community and uh, NVIDIA uh, AI community. So from NVIDIA's perspective, the GPU, there is an ecosystem for different type of machine learning and applications. And those applications, in the end of the day, they need to get data. We, their users need to serve data to those applications to let those applications to be useful, to produce insight. So before using Alexio, those applications, they have to either connect individually with different storage, or from the user angle, they have to ETL, manually move the data from an existing storage to a storage being plugged into the GPU machine. So with Alexio, the new architecture, the new way of using this is actually just letting those applications talking with a local Alexio deployment. And behind Alexio, below Alexio, Alexio will be configured to connect to various storage systems. On-premise, in the cloud, hybrid, it doesn't matter. And as a matter of fact, we are, as of today, our system is being, even open source is being integrated with many, with almost all the major storage vendors, uh, storage systems, and cloud storage vendor storage systems as well. So those are, the three uh, examples. So I wanted to wrap up by talking about China because, uh, as mm -hmm. you know, I uh, I've been uh, chairing uh, conferences in China, and uh, uh, this year will be our second year in June for uh, our AI conference in China. In fact, uh, when this podcast airs, the call for speakers will still be open, so you still have a few days, listeners, to submit talks. In your case, not only did you grow up in in China. A lot of the users of open source Aluxio, as you mentioned, are in China. So let's talk about China from the perspective of what actually the Chinese refer to as the ABC uh, technologies, AI, big data, and cloud. So what trends should our listeners uh, be paying attention to with respect to China? So one of the things, HY, that another uh, guest in this podcast pointed out, Jason Dai, who you know, is... Uh, mm -hmm is that uh, I think that the uh, people in the West don't understand how quickly some of these Chinese companies move in terms of adopting new technologies just because the competitive environment mm -hmm. is so fierce there. So so what are some of the trends that you are that you you yourself are paying attention to when it comes to China and big data, AI and cloud? Yeah, so I would say things are moving uh, very fast in that region and uh, people are very eager to adopt a new technology in the industry, in particularly from AI and uh, big data uh, perspective. And some of our users we know from the beginning, they very quickly uh, boosted their deployment to hundreds of nodes and 
or or thought even thousands of nodes. That's very amazing to see how fast they can adapt. And uh, from the AI perspective, I think in the industry there are so many like uh, Im- investment in that. I mean, actually, that's both West and uh, and both in the U.S. and in China. But we can see there are several big startups are being created from that. And uh, I believe by having the resource, keep focusing on innovating in this area, we'll see a lot of interesting results and many interesting innovations from there. And uh, because and also because of the the big market and many the, the huge population there, the data size itself is just uh, much bigger, and uh, that's which is a foundation to let these companies try more aggressive technologies, leverage technologies, and innovate on technologies. So that's also a very exciting piece we see. And uh, for example, like internet sector in China, for their top 10 internet companies today, nine of them are using our technology in production today. And all nine of them, they have big data and AI use cases. And uh, some of the largest cloud vendors they also use our, like, even integrate our technology into their cloud distribution. And for example, like several days ago, uh, Tencent Cloud, they just announced that they integrated Alexio into their stack. So that's a uh, very exciting, very exciting to see. Uh, and myself, I'm, I also travel uh, back and forth between these two regions quite often. And uh, every time I go there, I just see... Uh, more use cases and uh, more applications and more innovations in its uh, three angles. And actually, uh, you're not unique as far as an open source project, because uh, when I talk to other open source project leaders, I'll ask them, so do you have users in China? And uh, they they will say, you know, actually we do. In, in fact, uh, we don't even have people there uh, dedicated from the project, but the, the Chinese have just embraced our tool, whatever that tool might be, say TensorFlow or PyTorch or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think I think for the most part, the the tools used in uh, in China and in the U.S. are are coalescing around the same uh, open source projects, right? Yeah, I mean, from open source angle, like it is open source, and uh, anyone can download and uh, and leverage and use it and uh, contribute back. So. That's exactly uh, what yeah. Yeah, and, and what's amazing is, for example, RiceLab has a new project called Ray, and mm-hmm. I went to the first meetup a few months ago. It was invite only, and the Chinese companies went up and gave talks. Like I think it was Ant Finance, and they already had Ray in production for one use case, and soon to be in production for three use cases. So. They just move fast in terms of <laughs> deploying these technologies, right? So, And I imagine when you folks first heard that some company in China had deployed open source Aluxia to, I don't know, 100 nodes, 1,000 nodes, uh-huh. you were probably surprised, right? Yes. Like at the beginning, yes. Now we got used to it. Like uh, every week, there are several more companies. Like uh, we, we, our team discovered they have been deployed. Uh, like this, deploying us for some pretty large scale. No, but they they helped Aluxio. They probably contributed enough code to make Aluxio scale to their workload, right? So at the very early days, like uh, for the first several like thousand nodes deployment, uh, yes. And now uh, many of the community members uh, they actually uh, to they actually contribute from the perspective to make our software easier to be monitored leveraged and operated in their environment. 
Actually, so let's let, actually let's close with one more topic that actually you you reminded me a few months ago, and I've since started talking to more people and doing some more investigation on my own, which is uh, Presto. So you you were saying you should pay attention to Presto, and in fact, I'm starting to hear more and more people uh, talk about Presto. So it seems like a lot of people use Spark SQL and Presto at the same time, but. Yeah, thank you for reminding me to look into Presto. So uh, you folks are also working with the uh, open source Presto team, right? Yeah, so uh, it's a great uh, software. It's a great community as well. And uh, I think there are several public use cases uh, for Presto with Aluxio uh, on the internet already. For example, like uh, JD, one of the largest e-commerce company in the world, they are deploying Aluxio uh, and Presto in production today, almost uh, more than a year, if I remember correctly. And another company called NetEase, they are one of the top 10 internet companies in China as well. They are deploying Presto and Aluxio in production. And there are many in the US and uh, other regions as well. So this is uh, very exciting. Their software is, uh, is a great software. All right. So this has been a great conversation, HY. And uh, thank you for your insight, in ter- particularly about uh, what's happening in China. Thank you very much, Ben. Pleasure to, uh, to be here and talking with you. You can follow How Yuan Lee on Twitter at How Yuan. Thanks for joining us. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn.com or SoundCloud or Spotify and never miss an episode.